Hazy Podcast is brought to you by EK the DJ and Michael Reed. Join them each season as they discuss the adventures contained in various audiobooks. This season, they'll be providing reactionary commentary on the So I Got Hazed audiobook by Michael Reed. Chapter 23, Exhaustion. December 6th, Day 1, Hell Week. I had pulled many all-nighters during the semester, but they were usually drug-fueled cram sessions. It wasn't often we were hazed from 10 p.m. until the morning without stopping, and we were tired. While we were on our way back to campus, it seemed like all our phones rang simultaneously. John picked up his phone first, and was told to go to Trent Barrera's house to clean. He said that he had class until 3 p.m. Barrera had no idea what time any of our classes started, because he hadn't given a fuck about us all semester. He said okay, and told John to come to his house as soon as John's classes were over. When Tony's phone rang, he was told to go to Callum Anders' house. Tony legitimately had a 9 a.m. class, and he told Anders he couldn't come right away. Anders gave him the same speech that John got from Trent Barrera. Come to my house when you're done with classes. When my phone rang, I had no excuses. I had class later in the morning, but the guy on the other end of my line knew what time it started. It was Zeke, and he was still half asleep or still fueled from a hard night of sniffing cocaine. He told me that I had 10 minutes to get him some food from Dalton. I went to John's room before going to Dalton and said, Hey man, want to come with me to the fraternity house so that we can clean up? Fuck no! I'm going to sleep all day. Those assholes are going to have to pull me out of bed. Remember this moment. Gotcha. Dude, come on. If I go alone, I'm going to get hazed to death. I begged him. John dove into his bed and cocooned himself under his covers. No way, strikes Jose. I'm staying in bed. Just ditch and wait like I am. I can't, man. Zeke wants food, and he already called me. Besides, Zeke has our schedules, so there's no hiding. I said sadly. I knew there was no way of convincing John to come with me. Good luck, brother, he said, instantly falling into a deep sleep. Arguing with John would just waste more time that I did not have. I raced to Dalton in record time, grabbed food for Zeke, and sprinted back to the fraternity house. Ten minutes really isn't that much time when you have to run through a dorm, place your order, like required things, place your order, make it the distance to the place, the place to the fraternity house or wherever the brother's at. No, it was an unrealistic amount of time. You were always supposed to fail most tests. (laughs) But I hardly did. It was impressive. The house was still in utter disarray from the night before, so I started cleaning up when I got there. I didn't want to wake Zeke up until I had cleaned up all the bottles and plastic cups so he could see what a good job I'd done already. I was almost done getting all of the trash cleaned up when Kyle came stomping downstairs. He had his books in his hands for class. Who the fuck is here? Kyle screamed. It's me, Mike, I said. Is this your food, Two Strikes? Kyle shouted. Because I'm going to eat it. Kyle set his books down and grabbed the box of food. Go ahead, but I got it for Zeke, I said calmly. Kyle immediately put the box of food back down. I walked back to the kitchen to keep cleaning. Who's here with you, Strikes? He asked. Nobody. I'm here by myself, I shouted from the kitchen. Then I walked back into the living room. And you cleaned this whole place? He asked, impressed by my cleaning. Yeah, pretty awesome, eh? I responded. Yeah, so awesome you can do it twice, fuckface. Welcome to Hell Week, you little bitch, Kyle said, as he poured all the trash cans back onto the floor. 
I wanted to murder him. Not because it was Hell Week, but because he was a dick. And because I was exhausted. Yeah. That sucked. Being exhausted is the worst. Yeah, and after you'd already cleaned everything up to have everything dumped right back out on you. Ugh. Kyle left for class after he dumped out all the trash cans in the living room. The noise woke Zeke up, and he came downstairs. He asked if I got his food, and I pointed to the box of food. He leapfrogged over the trash in the living room and got his box of food off the DJ table. He didn't want to step on any of the trash that Kyle had so graciously dumped on the floor. As Zeke walked over to get his food, he said, Gross, you should clean the house up. While Zeke gobbled his food down, he had a down-to-earth conversation with me. I picked up the trash while we talked. He was friendly to me while we chatted, like I was on the other side already. Zeke told me that Hell Week was going to be hard. If I wanted it enough, which he hoped I did, then I'd need to stick with it. When he said those words, I knew he wanted me to be in the fraternity. As Zeke was saying, And besides, all bad things come to an end, Strikes. Chippy walked in with his backpack on. Chippy was on his way to his morning class and had a carton of milk in his hand. Hey, fucker, I was hoping you guys would be here. Who else is here? Nobody, I said quietly, knowing something shitty was about to happen to me again. Aw, that's a shame, Chippy replied smugly. He was hyped up. Drink this, he said, shoving the carton of milk into my chest. I took the carton from him and said, This shit is fucking expired. It's not expired. I just got it. Drink it, Chippy screamed at the top of his lungs. Zeke seemed to wake up when Chippy yelled. The expiration date clearly showed it was expired, and it reeked from being sour. I had a few sips and confirmed it was curdled. I told him I wasn't going to drink it anymore, and Chippy raged out. I refused to drink anymore, and Zeke wouldn't let Chippy force me to drink it. Chippy grabbed the carton out of my hand, and half of it exploded on my arm. It turned out to be a good thing for me, because he poured the rest of the carton out on top of my head. Chippy screamed again. You're a piece of shit, and I'll remember this shit, Strikes. If I didn't have class, I'd make you quit right now. I'll see you after class. You're going to fucking hate it. You're quitting today. Chippy stormed off through the open door of the fraternity house. When Chippy poured the milk on me, Zeke looked at me with somewhat sad and understanding eyes. He'd been there, and I knew he felt bad for me. It had ruined my morning, and I was heated. Zeke looked at me and said, If I were you, Strikes, I'd go back to your dorm room and have a shower. Skip your classes today and then come back later. Thanks for bringing me breakfast, my man. I left in a hurry after I got everything picked up. I wasn't going to let another rage-filled brother come by and pour out the trash for me to clean again. I never did go to my class that morning, or any of my classes later that day, but Zeke covered for me. It was the most real thing a brother let me do, and it did make me feel better. Brothers waited outside of our classes during Hell Week to make sure that we were there. Lots of previous pledge classes slept instead of going to class on Hell Week, so it was a good thing Zeke was covering for me. The brothers said that they would be checking our dorm rooms, too. We made sure to tell our roommates the score on locking the door. We told our roommates to use the peephole if anyone came knocking, because it could be a brother looking for us. The first day of Hell Week had already started as a stressful day. There were so many rules for us to follow, so much disinformation, and a lot of lying, just for the sanctity of sleep and a warm shower. When Hell Week started, we were already sleep-deprived, 
irritable, and not attending too many classes. We were so tired, we didn't know how we'd be able to make it a few more days. We were dead to the world, and it was all for those silk SIG-H letters. We couldn't wait to claim our spots in the elite brotherhood. After napping for less than an hour, John came by my room. He told Now remember when I said that John wouldn't get out of bed, remember this part. And I had to go to the house alone, ultimately cleaning it twice and getting curdled milk poured on me and drinking some. And inducted into Hell Week. Yes. He told me that he and I were supposed to go to the chapter house. I said, sorry man, I'm still in class. I already told them you were in your room, John said. The hypocrite had blown my cover after he slept and showered all morning. My morning of sanctity was over. We walked over to the chapter house and Tony was already there. He was cleaning everything I had missed earlier in the morning. Zeke, Eric, Kyle, LT, and Ron Russo were all there to greet us. The brothers told us that because it was Hell Week, we had to give them our shoes. We all hesitantly refused because we thought everything was a trick. After being told we didn't have a choice, we gave them our shoes. Eric pulled out a pocket knife and started cutting the soles out of all of our shoes. He started with John's shoes. In the process, he also punctured a lot of holes in John's shoes. John kicked up a fuss. Hey man, you're destroying them! Kyle screamed at John. This is our fraternity and our fucking shoes. If we want to rip the shoes apart, we will, and you'll wear them all of Hell Week. Kyle grabbed one of John's shoes out of Eric's hands and completely cut the front of the shoe off. It looked like John's soulless shoe could talk. Kyle also cut the side of each shoe, almost all the way back to the heel. It looked like the top half of the shoes could be lifted right off. Eric grabbed the shoes back from Kyle before he ripped them into two pieces. You know when something like that is cut so close to the edge that it just would take one rip to tear it apart? <laughs> That's what they were at. I'm, I'm remembering the amount of duct tape that was on all your shoes. <laughs> a lot. That's good, man. Yours are next, Mike, Eric said. Eric started cutting my shoes up. He didn't cut my shoes as much as Kyle had cut up John's shoes. This made LT speak up. Don't go easy on your little brother, Eric. LT cut my shoes up some more, but spared cutting the toes at the front. He ripped the soles out and smacked me with them. You don't have a soul, savvy? He repeated three times, smacking me each time. LT thought it was the funniest thing ever. This was evident because he kept laughing hysterically while he did it. The third time, I grabbed the sole of the shoe from his hand, but reminded myself that if I shoved it down his throat, I'd be blackballed. What, Strikes? You don't like being hit with a little sole? I love it, I said. LT hit me with the soles again, and then threw them in the garbage. After John and I's shoes were destroyed, they mangled Tony's shoes. His shoes were a lot smaller, so they were harder to tear apart. Once all of our shoes were cut up, they gave them back to us. We put them on, and the brothers snapped a few pictures of them as they laughed. I was so tired and pissed off that I didn't care about my shoes. I decided I'd wrap duct tape around them later in the day. I'd also wear trash bags underneath my socks and make sure I wore two pairs of socks. I was an experienced pledge, and I knew what I had to do to survive. They wouldn't be able to shake me that close to the finish line. After the soul-cutting ritual was over, the brothers had another treat for us. Costumes. Every pledge it's was given a unique book. costume been, to wear uh, for Hell Week, and I was I've a Frenchman. From hearing it. Eric gave me a stupid French beret. Do you remember giving me the stupid French beret? Uh, I, I, I 
do remember having a beret. I wondered what happened to it. Well, your beret got destroyed, and here's the story hey, uh, as to why. Hey, uh, fix my audio here. I've been disconnected for some reason. Oh, it says uh, sit. T- oh, it's nope. It says you've been disconnected. Sit tight. We're patching you back in. No, I can hear you fine. No, I can't hear the stream. Oh, that's not good. I can hear you fine. I just can't hear what's going on. Well then, I'm not even going to edit this out. I'm just going to fix it live. Deal. That's weird that that happened. Well, you know, the way that we have this conversation did just get an update. Yeah, and I mean, you have a lot of porn on your computer. Oh, so much. All the porns. Because people still download it, right? Mm-hmm. A shitty shirt. Well, I, sc- I, I get cargo from the pants store to- and then scan it. Can you hear it now? No, I can't hear Okay, ready, set. So you gave me yeah. a French beret, a shitty shirt, and cargo shorts. And that sounds about right. I'm going to keep going. Okay. Where? Each costume came with a catchphrase that we had to say if a brother asked what we were. Whenever anyone asked me what I was, I had to say, Ho ho ho, I'm from France, eh? Each of my pledge brothers had shitty costumes and catchphrases as well. The brothers made us repeat our special catchphrases until they cried laughing at us. When they were done torturing us, we were given our eggs. Kyle had a carton of eggs in his hand. He gave John the first egg and said, John, here's your egg. Now hide it on yourself. John put the egg in his pocket, and Kyle immediately crushed it. Egg innards could be seen coming outside of John's shorts, and some liquid dribbled down his leg. John was given another egg and told to hide it in private. The rest of us were each given our eggs. We hid them on ourselves, and the brothers each got their chance to break them. They weren't able to break any of our eggs. Throughout the day, we cleaned houses and ran errands for all of the brothers. We snagged every interview we could along the way. We cleaned all the brothers' houses on the light side of campus, and then went to the dark side to clean Mitch's pad. Cleaning Mitch's house was shitty, because he didn't have hot water. Mitch needed toilet paper, and sent me to campus to steal a bunch for him. I ran to Cook Hall, which was across the street from Mitch's house. It was the same building where my criminal justice and history classes were held. I found a storage closet with toilet paper in it, and filled my shirt with half a box of toilet paper rolls. There were many large lumps under my shirt, and there was no hiding it. I tucked in my shirt so I wouldn't drop any rolls when I ran back to Mitch's house. I calmly walked out of the storage closet and into a professor that was walking down the hall. I said, hello, and smiled. My long, shaggy, shit-filled hair and odor distracted the professor long enough that he didn't notice the toilet paper rolls beneath my shirt. It was like Third Strike was looming. See, that's phenomenal. <laughs> Steal the toilet paper. <laughs> Steal the toilet paper. When I rounded the corner of the hallway, I sprinted through the building and out into the parking lot. I didn't stop running until I got to Mitch's house. I dropped off the toilet paper and finished cleaning Mitch's dishes with cold water. Later on, Tony came to get me, and we met John and some brothers in the Dalton dining hall. In attendance were a shit ton of brothers, John, Tony, and I. While we were there, they made us do ice cream races. The loser had to pretend to propose to a girl that was sitting in a booth by herself. Tony lost this is and my was favorite. sent over to a girl's booth without a ring. She looked like she was studying and fake proposals is 
a reoccurring theme in all of my books. Oh my god, fake proposals and fake breakups are my favorite. I I got really lucky when I got when I had to do my fake breakup and the girl played along really well. And, I had uh, done so was, many, like I'm just It was so fun. Just so used to it, right? You just go up to them and like you embarrass them with something they have no idea about and by the time they finally clue in if they're not witty right away, it's already over. So it's it happens right. so fast. <laughs> Gotta be swift with the breakup. Listen, don't cry. I just wanted to be quick about this. No, don't make a scene. No, you don't even it's have over. to say anything to me. It's over. <laughs> Having a nice, boring, self-loathing time before Tony came over. He got down on one knee and proposed to her. She laughed and said, yes. She invited him to sit down with her. We watched the entire thing unfold, laughing the entire time. When all was said and done, she gave Tony her digits. Tony came back to the table with a big smile on his face. He told us that when they were talking, she said he smelled like vinegar, sweat, and cinnamon. Tony was just as disgusting as John and I were, but none of us were surprised that she gave her number to him after such a confident proposal. We had learned throughout the semester that embarrassment was something for juveniles, and we were far beyond embarrassment at that point. That's a big thing, man. Even to this the day... conditioning worked. Yeah, like, I'm not... Things that would embarrass probably a large majority of men alone, because I can't speak for women. Right. Yeah, you know, most people. <laughs> it's not embarrassing to me anymore. I've done it all. And once you've pooped your pants in a like a work situation <laughs> or like outside. <laughs> Like, you have accepted <laughs> all things that could possibly come your way for... Crapping yourself publicly is, uh... Yeah, for the rest <laughs> of time. Like, you're set in stone. You know that nothing can shake you after that. There wasn't much that the brothers could make us do that we hadn't already done while pledging. They couldn't make us feel worse than they had for the entirety of the semester. Nothing was more embarrassing than being taken out of our comfort zones for four months. We did all of this while wearing costumes, smelling like condiments, being drunk or impaired on some sort of drug, and sometimes even while we were completely sober. We'd come a long way since the beginning of the semester when we'd started pledging as wide-eyed freshmen. We were still freshmen, but what we'd learned in this short time only made us excited to cross the finish line to learn more as full-fledged brothers of the SIG-H fraternity. After we finished eating, one of the brothers asked if we were full, signaling that it was time to leave. It was time for us to get hazed with our stomachs full of food. We all went back to the fraternity house, where we were sent right down to the basement for a ritual of hazing. This lasted for about six hours, and the hazing was nothing out of the norm. It was a somewhat lengthy hazing session, because all the brothers wanted a real go at the hazing, especially if they hadn't had a chance all semester. At the end of the night, we went to LT's house with Forrest, Kyle, LT, and Tommy. This only meant one thing. Cocaine. The brothers were so drunk and exhausted, they needed a chance to do cocaine to wake up. Fortunately, they had... I don't want to make anybody seem bad, but there's no other way that you're going to be able to haze us for a week straight unless you take perfect shifts and people change the rotation of their sleeping habits, you're going to have to use some sort of drug or fuel of some kind, be it like hundreds of fucking Pepsis or Cokes. 
Fair. Right? Like, there's only so yeah, much a guy I can do agree. to keep up with us. Yeah. And for us, I mean, it's not a party at all. <laughs> We're the prisoners, right? They're the guards. ...to do this away from us, which meant we had no supervision. They decided to lock us in the downstairs bathroom and threw us two blankets to share. We cuddled under the blanket and used the second one as a pillow. The brothers put alarms everywhere so we couldn't sleep, or so they thought. As soon as they went upstairs, we fell asleep. There we were, locked in a nasty frat house bathroom, laying on the floor, snuggling under a blanket, with alarms going off. We were so sleep-deprived at that point that we could have slept through anything. The fraternity made all the cokehead brothers stay up to haze us. They came up with radically funny and humiliating ideas of shit for us to do. Once the cocaine had added a little fuel to the fire, Tommy too fast took us out of the bathroom. He yelled at us some more and gave us a little late-night hazing. He fed us habaneros all night to keep us awake. Nothing other than staying awake was challenging for us. Imagine, like, that's how you're kept awake. Hey, bro, eat another habanero. You're like, oh, I want to eat another habanero. And you're like, eat another habanero. And they eat the habanero. And they're like, ah! Oh, okay, I'm awake. Fuck! Fuck! And then it's like that for 15 minutes. Your tongue's burning, so you don't want to fall asleep. And you're starting to fall asleep again. Eat another habanero! <laughs> Man, I hated habaneros. God, I hated habaneros so much. If Chris Farley and many other amazing comedians have taught us anything, it is that cocaine also breeds great improv comedy. Yeah, that's accurate. December 7th, Day 2, Hell Week. Tommy forced us to stay up throughout the night. He had us clean parts of LT's house and the fraternity house again. Before we went over to the frat house to clean, LT fed me an entire jar of mayo in his kitchen. He made John and Tony watch while they sucked their thumbs. LT Y'all, do you know how hard it is to eat an entire jar of fucking mayo? And we're not talking like a little bitch-made jar, we're talking jumbo jar, baby. I think about it every time I squirt mayo on a sandwich. That sounds so... So in incredibly uncomfortable. And it's I think it's like pig fat, right? Uh, no, it's like egg yolks and egg fat. <laughs> egg fat? Chicken fat? Something fat? It's something fat in there. I know it is. If I Google it right now, I would, I would be able to find it. Egg, it's like egg yolks. and But it's not good for stuff. you. I don't know. It's, I, I just he know that there's egg yolks. Between each spoon. Nothing. Full of fatty goodness. I sang, a spoonful of mayo helps the medicine go down. The medicine go down. The medicine go down. Eating spoons full of mayo was terrible because the consistency of mayo made me feel like instantly puking. Yeah, I don't know what the hell I was thinking about, but yeah, mayo is egg yolks. You're right. And like a lot of oil, right? Vinegar or lemon juice. Yeah. But either way, like, it, you know it's not well-maintained if it's in a frat refrigerator. No, Those things can probably... stay open for 10 hours at a time by accident sometimes. And it, and it probably was already bad before that. <laughs> it was like a thick pudding. 
LT shoved spoonful after spoonful of mayonnaise into my mouth. It made me dry heave and inevitably puke all over the place. I could throw up during the hazing, but my body wouldn't let me throw up anything afterward. It was a fantastic way to start the second day of Hell Week. When we were cleaning at the chapter house, Tremperera came by with Ron and Zeke. Quick recap. Day one starting of Hell Week was getting spoiled milk poured on me. Day two starting of Hell Week was eating spoiled mayo. To take some more... You are not having a good time. Not a good time. Stole from our shoes. They decimated Tony's shoes. My shoes were ripped up again, and John's shoes were left alone. Zeke said we didn't have any honor if we wore torn shoes. Zeke implied that we were supposed to bandage our shoes whenever they got torn up. When the brothers left, we duct taped our shoes back together. Once our shoes were back together, we went back over to LT's house to see if he wanted to smoke any weed with us. Smoking pot on Hell Week felt pretty good. The brothers said no drinking, but every time we blazed, it was a good pick-me-up. Smoking pot gave us a lot of energy that we needed. I sure as hell didn't attribute it to the mayonnaise. The dank sativas we smoked for Hell Week helped us not lose our minds. After we were done smoking, we left to go clean Chippy and Eric's apartment. We spent the second day, like the first, cleaning houses. Some brothers were pickier than others when we cleaned. The brothers that had it hard when they were pledging made sure that we were more than busy. They made us clean in places that they would never have themselves. The nicer brothers only had us do small tasks. When we were done, they'd let us watch TV and smoke weed. The only common practice between all of the brothers is that none of them would let us sleep. In the afternoon, most of the fraternity was over at Mitch's house watching the movie Ghosts of Mars. John, Tony, and I cleaned Mitch's house until there was nothing left to clean. When we were done, Mitch let us sit down and relax. We watched the movie until LT stopped by. He fed me more mayo, and it was just the worst. I remember I was so fucked up that the movie was actually somewhat good, and I rewatched that recently, and I will tell you what, it is not as good if you're not up for two days straight. <laughs> Phenomenal. The rest of the afternoon flew by, and before we knew it, it was nighttime. At the beginning of the night, the brothers told us we were going to have a frat versus sorority pledge competition. We didn't know what that meant until about an hour later when we could hear screaming girls marching down the street. The screaming could be heard from inside Mitch's house. It was the worst kind of screaming. Female instructional screaming. We were called into the backyard where the sexiest pledges from the Tri-Chi, Triple X sorority were lined up. All of the girls were 10 out of 10 attractive and 20 out of 10 psychotic. They looked just as mentally and physically beat up as we were at the time. John, Tony, and I stood in a circle with the Tri-Chi pledges. They were wearing skirts and had a mix of white and black t-shirts. Each of their shirts had different stains on them, ranging from condiments to booze. There was something almost beautiful in how we were all going through the same thing. It was an unspoken connection formed from our common misery. If, like, we had a trashy companion that was meant for us at that point, it was these girls. <laughs> I dated one of those girls. <laughs> right? It was like stars in our eyes. Da -na, da -na, da -na, da -na. <laughs> those Tri-Kai girls were fucking gangsters. 
there were about 40 people in the dark backyard. The backyard was only lit by the moonlight and some light that was cast across the street from campus. We did push-up challenges, sprints, and eating challenges. There was hot puke that was pouring out of my mouth every few seconds. I made sure to get big breaths before going back in for more onions or push-ups or vegetable oil. The Trikai girls didn't swallow anything. They spat out all the garbage that they put in their mouths, the amateurs. It was the only time I was able to drink an entire bottle of vegetable oil and not puke, despite trying. It hurt. I can still close my eyes and remember this moment of drinking the vegetable oil and saying in my head, Hey, you're finally able to get it to go down. Good job, champ. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> getting to that point was a, a proud and also sad moment. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to be said in that to unpack there. And then you know what? I'm just going to leave that for onstage comedy. My insides to hold it in. To this day, I can still close my eyes and vividly remember swigging the vegetable oil back. Being hazed with the girls was embarrassing and hot at the same time. The fraternity screamed at us, and the sorority screamed at their pledges. It was the most epic shit ever to happen in the pre-camera phone era. We easily won the hazing competition because we were absolute professionals. When we were done, the girls were carted away by their sorority. We followed the fraternity back into Mitch's house. When we were following them in, Mitch promptly stopped us and said, Where the fuck do you think you dirty fucks are going? Stay out here and wait for us. Make sure we can see all of you. And don't fall asleep. The porch door slammed closed, and we stood in the dark waiting for a half hour. We listened as the brothers partied and screamed inside Mitch's house. John was out of energy and tried to take a nap against the outside of the house. At that moment, the brothers came out in a cocaine-fueled rage and asked which one of us wanted to race. They said if one of us could beat a brother in a race, we could go home and go to sleep. Who do you think wanted to race, Eric? Uh, probably you, long legs. Who do you think wanted to race after being awake for two days? This guy. This guy. If we didn't, we'd have to go back to the fraternity house and party with the brothers. John and Tony chose me to race, and the brothers chose Forrest. While we were getting ready for the race, it started pouring down rain. Forrest put on an oversized yellow rain jacket. He looked like a yellow dildo that Big Bird would use to sh- when I say, <laughs> I'm so sorry that I cut it off at this part. The part was going to say he dressed himself in yellow and he looked like Big Bird's anal dildo that Big Bird would use to shove up his ass. But when I say it started pouring, it was like the heavens opened up to clean us off. It's like, here, you disgusting pledges. Now, best of luck in your race. You, uh, you needed that bath. Yeah, it was at, like it was almost like a climax in a movie, you know, where it's like, how is it just raining right now? Like that. Shove up his ass. We stood in Mitch's front yard with everyone watching. Forrest said we were racing to the end of the street. When we were both ready, the brothers counted down from three, and I was gone in a flash. I looked back once to make sure Forrest was running, and he was. He caught up to me because I wasn't putting everything into it. Huffing and puffing, he said, You think you can beat me, Strikes? You're fucking wrong. I sped up to hypersonic, and Forrest disappeared behind me. I didn't look back again until I got to the end of the street. Like the scene in Fast and the Furious where they just use NOS and it's like... <laughs> you went into T-1000 mode. <laughs> yes. Everything's a starry night retro gaming style. 
Hell yeah. When I turned around, he wasn't there. I ran back to Mitch's house to finish the race. When I got there, Forrest was sitting on the porch in his stupid-looking raincoat. He and the rest of the brothers were laughing at me. Forrest asked, Did you think it was ever going to be a fair race, Strikes? It's never a fair race. Always remember that. Someone you're racing will always be cheating or find a way to beat you to the finish line. You're a loser. You guys have five minutes to meet us at the chapter house. That's where you're staying tonight. Strikes, you lost the race. Better luck never. We left Mitch's house right away and darted through campus. Once we'd cleared the first set of dorms, we started walking. There was no point in rushing to some more hazing. We talked about how much we despised Forrest, and then my pledge brothers made me feel better about not winning the race. When we I was just thinking, I'm really good at capturing what people say, and it's so amazing how characters are painted by their own context and vocalization of what they say. Yeah, he did a good job. We got to the fraternity house. There wasn't anybody there yet. It was a sweet relief. John seized the moment and said, Fuck it, I'm going to sleep. He went behind the bar that we played pop-up schmeg at so many times and laid on the ground. John was so tired that he didn't give a fuck about the nasty hardwood floor he was laying on. Since John was trying to sleep, Tony wanted to as well. He said, I'm going to take a poop. Be right back. Tony went into the bathroom, turned the lights off, and closed the door. I knew he was going to sleep. When the brother showed up, it wasn't good for me. I was the only one semi-awake, sitting on the washer and dryer in the kitchen. Imagine being so sleepy that you're able to just fall asleep behind a sticky bar, or on a bathroom toilet, or in a tub, or on the floor of a nasty frat house bathroom, or where they found me. Behind the couch at a sweetheart's house. That's <laughs> where they found me. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm lying. I was sleeping, but I was the first one to wake up. Forrest, Kyle, and Tommy came in screaming bloody murder. They yelled that we better not be sleeping and called for us to come to them quickly. When we didn't miraculously appear, they started screaming and asked where we were. I was the only one that answered, and they called me into the bar room. Knowles was still behind the bar, and when they peered over it, they saw him. They screamed at him for sleeping and not answering them. They asked John and I where Tony was, and we said he was taking a shit. They pushed open the bathroom door, and Tony was sleeping on the toilet. Forrest threw a full beer on him and shouted, Hey fucker, wake the fuck up! Tony couldn't even stand up. Forrest pulled him out of the bathroom and set him on a walking path towards the bar. The brothers verbally hazed us for a bit but we'd heard their rants far too many times, and there wasn't anything they could say to make us quit. They told us that the Tri-Kai pledges we were hazed with earlier in the evening were initiated into their sorority. We were surprised that just one day of our hell week was considered their hell night. The hardest challenge for the Tri-Kai pledges was just another day at the office for us. The brothers sent us down to the basement, where we ate onions, did air chairs and push-ups, and recited the Greek alphabet with matches in our hands. We were also quizzed on the information we knew about one another. Since Forrest wasn't allowed to haze us, he just watched. During the hazing spree, the brothers took periodic trips back upstairs for more cocaine. They hazed us until the sun came up. Around 7am, they let us leave the frat house because they thought we had classes to go to. By the end of the night, my unwashed hair was covered in so many condiments, it was almost a given that I'd either have to shave it 
or spend a week washing it with tomato juice. My long hair had become a cesspool of bacteria throughout the semester, even with showers. In the final week of pledging, my hair had been used as a sponge to soak up condiments. Each of us went back to our dorms, showered, and slept. By the time we got back to the dorms, we were more than seven hours into day three of Hell Week. We hid for the remainder of the day when we were expected to be in classes. We stunk far too much to be going to class, even with a good shower. There was a terrible odor ingrained into our skin, and it would take days of hot showers to cure. And we'll Man. see how many days it took for that to cure. This is uh this is the epic right here. When when you start getting into the the Hell Week stories, like the memories, some of the memories come flooding back, like the with the cutting open of the shoes and the no soles in the shoes because you don't have soles, uh, you know the just the absolute destruction and the importance of putting your shoes back together. Mm-hmm. Just, just, uh just. What else came flooding back? I uh, just, uh, I remember the dying. We had to dye our shoes the first night. Yeah, but ours were already dyed. I don't think we dyed our. Oh no, no, no! You know what? And my, I don't remember the. Okay, so should have made weird. a journal. Should have made a journal. It's, it's yeah, you're right. It's weird the way these memories come back though, because like when when you talk about ripping open the shoes for Hell Week, that's when I have the memory of I remember you know putting all of our shoes in the trash bag and and with the dye and interesting, and uh, like it's because of that's that's the memory of the shoes was the tearing them up. And that bring that brought back the other memories of the shoes. It's weird. It's weird. I got a weird recall. Total recall. Yeah. That's All right, folks. No sleeping. No sleeping. Like, no sleeping. Chapter twenty-four. Next time, more of Eric's memories will come flooding back. Oh yeah.